Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, the, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Hey, I'm Jen and I love horror movies. I'm Mikey. I'm dead inside and I also love horror movies. And we really like to torture our friend Todd because he hates horror movies. That I do. And that's why they call me the horror virgin. <laughs> that's the only reason we call him that. I'm not, no other reasons at all. None <laughs> at all. Whatever. So every, <laughs> every week we take him through the encyclopedia of horror, the good, the bad, the ridiculously Jack Frost. <laughs> and then we make fun of it more or less. Or explain it's deceptive feminism. Oh. Yeah, exactly. That's what I do. That's my thing. <laughs> and I'm the funny one. <laughs> Our episodes drop on Monday, so check us out. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sounds and the Consequence Podcast Network. Of course, I want to say uh, hello to the subscribers. Uh, thanks to all of you all for checking out uh, all the multiple episodes and interviews every single week. I know we got new interviews that get released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Always appreciate you listening. Always appreciate the comments that you're giving in the various spots that you can comment at. Of course, if you're not a subscriber, I also hope that you take the moments uh, before we get started to hit that 
that subscribe button, especially if you're a big music fan. If you love hearing the ins and outs of how the art is made and what the artists are up to, uh, it's a great series to follow wherever you're listening from right now. It has a subscribe button, so uh, so keep up with us, and we'll, we'll deliver those episodes to you all throughout every week. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, Best Coast, I'll be talking with Bethany Cosentino about the new Best Coast record called Always Tomorrow. It's got a really interesting backstory. Of course, this is the first Best Coast album, or at least adult album, in about five years. And um, and that's for a lot of reasons. Bethany went through a lot of changes in the past few years, uh, from some writer's block and being, as she says, a creatively paralyzed to getting healthy, you know, sobriety is a big part of the record, but really just getting on a path for yourself and, and, and good mental health and everything. So we're going to get into all of that. The scary moments when you don't know if the next song is coming and the ways to fix it. I don't know if you, you know, I said this was the first adult album. There was a kids album in the middle there with Best Kids, which ended up being a great exercise in helping to, to restart their musical muscles. So you're going to hear about all of that as well, and then we're going to get into the songs. And within these songs, there's a lot of artist worship for some of her favorite bands. We're going to talk a lot about Fleetwood Mac, especially how you can hear that on one of the singles for the first time. We'll talk about the Deftones, which she and I share a big love for. And we're also going to talk about Bernie Sanders. Now, I can't say that Bernie Sanders influenced their music, at least not musically, maybe thematically, but Best Coast are one of the many artists who have been out on the campaign trail for Bernie. Uh, It was during the last presidential campaign in 2016. They played a couple of his rallies, and she'll tell you they're looking to do a few of those again if the opportunity comes up. So I want to hear about what that experience is like as well. So you're going to get all of that and so much more. Let's jump into it. Talking about the record, Always Tomorrow, it's Kyle Meredith with Best Coast. Hi. Well, uh, the compliments right up top. Always tomorrow. It's it's great to hear Best Coast back again, especially with such a strong record. And it's been a lot of fun to listen to this. I, I know it's not always, um, I guess, fun subjects that you're talking about, but you've really made a great uh, like summary album again. So thanks so much. I've got fun stuff to talk about, and of course, the serious stuff to talk about. And and, and maybe we just jump into the serious stuff first because I know a lot of the this record sort of starts as you've talked about with um, like a creative paralyzing moments is that right yeah i mean basically after california nights touring cycle kind of came to a close that was sort of the first moment in honestly since crazy for you came out that i didn't really have any plans like we weren't like we we were like okay we're done touring the record the album cycles over there was no plan to go in and make another record like it was just all kind of came to a halt And I think that I didn't really ever have time to process everything that had happened from the beginning of the band, you know? And so I think it was just like all of a sudden life kind of caught up with me and I just felt very overwhelmed and I did not know how to process or cope with the life that I was living. And so, you know, my my go-to is usually like, okay, I write music sort of to, to like funnel through some of these feelings. And I just couldn't really get anything out of me. Like I was just... I did really just feel so creatively blocked. So, um, you know, and then just kind of over time, I just continued to like attempt to try and things slowly started to come out. And it pretty much took about three years to really like even get the record started. Now, a lot of artists will talk about that and artists of any kind, whether it's, you know, a musician or a comedian or or whatever, of like wondering if if, if that next song is ever going to come like you think is I can't write. That's the last song I'm, I'm ever going to write and until it finally does. Was this the first time that you had gone through it at, at that sort of level? 
I never really had a moment to just sort of stop. Like when Crazy For You came out, we didn't, you know, like we did not expect the success that it had. I never started the band like attempting to become like I never thought it would become my career. And then we toured that album for about two years. Then the only place like we started that as soon as we got off the road from Crazy For You we toured that for a while. Then we went in and did an EP called Fade Away. It, it was all just sort of like one thing after the next, after the next, after the next. And I think so. I never really like had a chance to, to like experience writer's block because I was just like constantly doing it. Mm-hmm. And then I think after, yeah, after the California Nights album cycle came to a close, it was just sort of like, well, wait, what are we doing? Like, we don't have a plan all of a sudden I'm just going to, what, I'm just going to be like a stay at home person. Like I didn't understand that lifestyle because I hadn't experienced it in like, you know, five or six years. So that was really the first time I even, even ever had the opportunity for something like that to happen. So in the middle, and I got to ask about this one too, because in the middle there, you did put out a, a kid's record with with best kids. Mm-hmm. How does that fit into the narrative? Or, or was that just like a, a sort of a, a scratch that you could creatively uh, itch, an itch that you could creatively scratch? That opportunity came about, yeah, like we were sort of, we were trying to, you know, like slowly, slowly I was starting to write songs for what would become Always Tomorrow, but, you know, just like didn't fully feel like we were there yet. And the opportunity came up to do a kid's album. It was definitely like kind of out of left field, but it felt it just felt like something that, that, yeah, we could get into a studio, we could be creative, we could work on stuff. I could start writing again, but I didn't have to think so much about what I wanted to say because I was literally writing songs for children. So I could write stuff about cats and dogs and colors of the rainbow and, um, you know, lollipops and rainbows and all of this stuff. Like I didn't have to tap so deep into myself to get that stuff out. So it ended up just being a really fun kind of experiment. We got to go in and record it with Louis Pezikoff, who recorded Crazy For You, who we did that album with. And he's a father now. So we got to make this sort of like fun, energetic, joyful feeling record with him. You know, his daughter was around the studio and it was just like a really cool, fun experience and a way for us to, again, get in and sort of like flex some musical muscles, but not have to think so much about like a full-fledged, like fleshed out Best Coast album. And authors will work like that, I've heard as well. That, you know, they, they bring in some kind of uh, editor uh, and, and they'll do the do like word games or anything just to kind of jog where they're going. This mm-hmm. seems like there'd be a version of that. Yeah, I mean, it was just a way to, to, to get into a studio and like, you know, the way for me to continue to like sing and play guitar and write and for Bob to continue to do all of what Bob does. And, you know, but again, like we didn't like we didn't go into it thinking like, okay, like I wonder what people are going to think of this. It was just like we're just making this fun album for children kind of in a time in the world where it feels like, you know, people just need things that might make them smile, might make them happy. So that was sort of like our way of getting to do that. Yeah. Now, do you incorporate that into your, your current sets, any of those songs, or does it kind of live on an island? No, no, <laughs> we don't. We when, when the album came out, we had wanted to play some shows around it, but it just didn't end up working out for our schedule because kind of around that time was when we really started to sort of like take Always Tomorrow or what would become Always Tomorrow a bit serious. So we never really got the chance to do anything around it, but I would love to at some point, you know, play some like fun kid matinee shows or something. But no, we don't we don't play any of, of the of the songs live. <laughs> 
Well, you had mentioned, you know, I mean, biography has long been a part of your writing and the way you do it. But it, like, does it safe to say this is different because it feels different to me than the way you wrote in the past? Yeah, it is different. I mean, one of the biggest differences is sort of the collaborative effort between Bob and I on this album. There are four songs on this record that Bob wrote the music to. So typically in Best Coast lifespan, I've always gone to Bob with sort of like writing the the blueprint of a song. So I'll write, you know, the main chords, the chord changes, all this stuff. I'll sometimes go in with like a lead guitar idea. I'll write all the lyrics. I'll write all the melody. I'll throw it into a demo and I'll send it over to him. And then he'll kind of sprinkle his stuff on top of it. But this time around, when I was dealing with that blockage, I just, you know, I went to him and I was like, listen, I know that this is not something we've ever done before, but would you ever consider writing some music and sending it to me so that I can try to just focus on lyrics and melody. And I wasn't sure if any of it would get used. I was just like, this might help me. This would be kind of just an activity to try. And um, it ended up working really well. Four of the songs on the album, like I said, are four songs that he wrote the music to. And for me, it was just a really cool way to like step outside of myself and just sit and focus on what I wanted to say and how I wanted to say it. And I got to really like showcase myself as a vocalist on those songs, too, because I didn't have to worry so much about formatting the song. I just got to go in and and think about, again, what, what I wanted to say and how I wanted to say it. And then the rest of the stuff, you know, the songs that I wrote um, on my own, those I feel like they feel different as well because we did a lot of pre-production. We actually like brought in our producers and sort of like sat with them and figured out ways that we could change the format. It was just a, a lot more of a collaborative effort on this record, whereas in the past it's usually been me saying like, here's the songs, like, let's do them this way. And I think 10 years into my career, I've just realized, like, it's okay to reach out and ask people to help. Like, I don't have to put all the pressure on myself. And it's cool kind of hearing that, you know, those sounds. I think those would naturally come when you're collaborating in that way and hearing the kind of, you know, pop up here and there throughout the record. I mean, there's so many interesting points on here, whether it be like Seeing Red's a really fun moment for me. I really like that one, Master of My Own Mind. And just uh, I guess you kind of get those different tones anyway. Uh, very obviously. Yeah, thanks. I, I do feel like a lot of the songs on this album, like like it all kind of feels like it like it came from the same cloth, but it all kind of, every song sort of has its own vibe, its own sort of like world in which it's living in. So I think it's really exciting for me to listen back to this album and to sort of see that like not every single thing follows the same format. It all kind of feels like it could stand on its own in a way, which I think I think that's really like a product of just the maturity that we've achieved as a band who's existed for 11 years now. You know, I think that that's sort of what comes with longevity and growth is change and sort of trying different things, throwing stuff at the wall and just seeing what sticks. And I think that's definitely what we did with Always Tomorrow or tried to do at least. Well, and I think another one of the things, there are moments in here where I feel like I can hear your influences, and I say that respectfully, too, uh, as kind of a fun thing to get into. Like, the very first time I was played for the first time, I, I thought, oh, wow, there's there's like this kind of 80s Fleetwood Mac, like, everywhere sort of vibe going on in mm-hmm. this. And, uh, like, does that yeah. come natural, or is that something you say, oh, I, one day I want to write a song like that? It was never anything that I was like, I want to write a song like this one day. I think it's just... Fleetwood Mac is my all-time ultimate favorite band in the world. I literally, whenever people ask me, like, what are you listening to? I have, I don't have an exciting answer. I'm always like, Fleetwood Mac, that's all I listen to. (laughs) Nothing wrong (laughs) with that. I think that inherently because of that, like, it just, it very much came out 
um, in the form of that song. And yeah, it just sort of happened. And I think, you know, I've always mentioned Fleetwood Mac as being an influence on our records, but I don't know if you would have ever really been able to pick up on that. But I, I think that this song kind of finally like showcases that I am such a huge Fleetwood Mac fan and Everywhere is honestly <clears throat> one of my favorite songs ever. I listen to it before shows. It's kind of like my hype, my hype jam. I just love it so much. I especially love Christine McVie songs from Fleetwood Mac. So, um, yeah, I think it was just like I finally got to write a song and sort of, you know, we got to produce it to sound like our version of Fleetwood Mac. And I think that that's really exciting because, again, like if I get to pay like homage to a band that I've loved forever since I was a kid. Like, it's just really cool. For as many albums as they sold during the late 80s, that still seems to be a very underrated era uh, for their career, for whatever reason. At least that's my perception anyway. Yeah, I know. I mean, Mirage is my favorite album by them. I think a lot of people would go like Tusk or Rumors, but Mm. I'm all about Tango in the Night and Mirage and like 80s. Fleetwood Mac because I feel like that's when they started to just sort of like take a lot of weird risks and started to make there's just a lot of songs in like Mirage that are just weird Mm -hmm. like talk about a band that like is able to make albums where not everything is linear and it sort of feels like each song can exist on its own like Tango in the Night and Mirage both of those albums there are certain songs on there where you're like this came out of left field like (laughs) where where does this belong In, in the context of their career and you know I think that as a band just everything that they went through like in their personal lives and just all their whole story is just so inspiring to me and it's just such a yeah I don't know like it's it's really truly is like at the end of the day my favorite 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 band ever of all time and I just am like anytime I see anybody making any sort of comparison to any song on this album and them I'm just like sick I've done my job right (laughs) (laughs) well it's kind of fun you know you're talking about those detours and everything because uh being what fueled that you're right because they could take the weird stuff and they could make it so catchy I mean this was also around the time that Lindsay was Mm -hmm. writing Holiday Road and 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 that type of stuff and everything Mm -hmm. it's like it's like being able to do that in a song I mean it probably was uh, cocaine probably played a big part in it as well with I got so many ideas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can inject that, like that's yes. my favorite type of writing. It's when you can take something and go take that left turn and still make it singable. Like that's a huge feat. That's not easy to do, which I'm guessing as a songwriter, you yeah. know that. Yeah. And I think it all really boils down to melody. I mean, I think that that's what they do so well and really what makes a song a song. Like if, if your melody isn't catchy, if you forget it after a first listen, like you didn't, you didn't write. I mean, I'm not going to, okay, I take that back. Like there are a lot of great songs that don't have necessarily like super hooky, catchy melodies. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of songs that are kind of out there with like weird formats and, and experimental sort of things that stick with you for life. But I think at the end of the day, it's like melody is really what brings you back and really makes a song a song. And, you know, the holiday road, like you can't get that melody out of your head. And I think that that's ultimately like what makes Fleetwood Mac such a classic band is that those melodies are earworms. They get stuck in your head forever. And, you know, I think for me, like that is my, as a writer, like that's always my biggest, my biggest thing is always wanting to just like write a melody that like people are pissed off about because they're like, I can't get this out of my head. And as annoying as I think some of my, as annoying as like a song like Boyfriend is to me now, I can, I can really like listen to it and be like, 
It's a pretty catchy melody. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed that one right there. You know, while, while we're kind of detouring on, on other bands, uh, you're a big Deftones fan too, right? I do love Deftones, yeah. Yeah, just talking about the nice little differences there with Fleetwood Mac and Deftones. They've got a new record out this year. I, I was actually just wondering if you had any expectations or, or hopes on this because I'm. it's one of my like top looking forward to. Like, cannot wait to hear what this sounds like moments. Honestly, I feel like everything that Deftones does is, like, to me, I love it. I've, I'm not, like, one of those people that's like, oh, I only like the old stuff. Like, when I really love a band, like, I'm very interested in exploring what they do. And I feel like, again, a band that has really gone through a lot, a band that has dealt with a lot of their, you know, their own struggles and, and heartbreaks and things like that. Like, they're a band that I ultimately, like, just, love to see them continue to put stuff out so i am excited to see what comes next from them hopefully soon hopefully they made us wait uh just about as long as uh, as you did i guess it's been like you know four or five <laughs> years so it's... listen it takes time people people have to i think i always thought like you had to churn out stuff in a consistent fashion to even keep people engaged i think that was always my fear was like, well, if we go away for too long, like people will forget. But I think it's like sometimes artists and, and bands just need to like take a step out and, and really take their time with an album or take their time with whatever they're going through in their personal life to even be able to get something out. Because I think at the end of the day, like you're worth nothing if you're not taking care of yourself, you know? So I think that's something that a lot of people kind of disregard as listeners. They don't realize like, you don't, you never know what Deftones is going through and what they're trying to like figure out while making this album. But I feel like in my own experience of what just happened, um, on the sort of this five-year gap, like I'm all for it. I'm like, feel like I want to tell everybody, like, take your time. It's worth it. I mean, then you got like on the other side of the spectrum, like Fiona Apple or, or Sade or something where it's like once a decade and everything. And, yeah. And, you know, when it when it arrives, I'm happy. I'm happy. So I, I totally yeah, get you. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I feel like I'll bring this actually back real quick to Always Tomorrow, too, because there's that line and everything has changed where you say, if everything's OK, then what the hell do I complain about? And, you know, I feel like there's a bit of a thread of what you're talking about to that line right there, because that seems like the artist's dilemma, you know, that when you are like, where's that next record coming from and what the hell am I going to talk about this time? Well, I think it's like I always existed in a headspace where I thought in order to make music or in order to create art, I had to be sort of like this really depressed, dark person. And I think that what's interesting about Everything Has Changed is that I wrote that song while I was still very much in a very dark headspace and not much in my life had really changed minus I was living in a different house. But um, I think at that time, like I was fearful to grow and change and to get healthy because I thought like, well, what happens when I'm happy? Like, what the hell do I sing about if I'm happy when I'm sort of known for being this this person who writes a lot about insecurities and anxieties and like heartbreak and depression, like what the hell am I even going to talk about if I don't experience any of those things anymore? And I do think that that is a dilemma that a lot of artists have where, where we think that we have to be these like tortured souls to be able to create stuff. And what I'm realizing now that I'm in this totally different headspace and this totally different mindset is that I just feel a lot more connected to myself as an artist, as a happier person. And so I'm actually very interested in sort of like what happens to people that go through a lot of darkness and change, like what they're, what they produce after that? Because I do think that it is a challenge to sort of be like, 
oh, I'm in a better place. Like, how do I want to talk about this? Because you don't want it to be like too cheesy. And I think that was my whole thing is I was like, well, I don't want to write songs that are now like, you know, like Happy by Pharrell that are like so (laughs) extremely like in your face, like, look at this. But I feel like that is a challenge that I'm sort of like interested in taking on now because it is cool to sort of approach life in such a different way, but to try to figure out like how I can still balance the light and the dark that I obviously still experience as a human within my songwriting. Of course, because we are multi-layered and, and, and I want multiple, multiple dimensions out of the artists that I listen to. I mean, uh, if you're writing the same record five or six deep, then what's the use? Yeah, totally. For sure. Uh, I'll wrap up. I, you've been part of this other cool experience that I, I was hoping you could talk about a little bit because Best Coast, one of the many bands who's played for uh, Bernie Sanders uh, as he's been out there on the trail. Is that a very is that a different experience than the usual concert setting? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we did some Bernie rallies in 2016. We haven't unfortunately been able to do any this go around because we've just been so psychotically busy, but we are planning and hoping to do some stuff this go around because I'm just like Bernie Sanders. I love him to death. It's definitely like when we did it, it it was a little weird, but it was also like so cool and energizing to even get to use our music with that type of platform. And to like, I mean, it's crazy. It's like you think of bands playing like alongside politicians and stuff of like the stuff of the 60s and the 70s. And so to be able to like do that in the 2000s, it was really cool and exciting, especially for me as somebody who is very vocal about politics and vocal about a lot of the issues that I care about. It was really, really cool and exciting to get to get out there and like support to even be like excited about a presidential candidate because mm-hmm. I can't remember the last time I was. So to even get to like go out and do something like that was really energizing and really um It really just made me feel hopeful. And I, like I said, like, I'm really hoping that we can get, we can get together and and get something done this go around. Um, Unfortunately, our schedule just hasn't really allowed for it. But um, yeah, it's cool to be able to use your platform for good. I just thought, you know, as, as the band in that kind of situation, like on one side, it could be like, you know, you're the opening act for a stadium where no one knows you. But on the other side, everybody comes with such energy in themselves that I feel like that wouldn't matter. Like you could still like do it. Yeah. I mean, I remember when we did it, there were like a handful of people that when we came out that that were like singing along and applauding and yelling and stuff. But it's like, I don't think anybody cares because I think they're just so excited to be in the building. And they're so excited to hear this person talk about his policies and sort of his vision for America. And I think that that is really ultimately like what the Bernie Sanders movement is really about is like energizing people and just making people excited about politics. Because I'm seriously, I'm like, when has anybody been excited? (laughs) Like I truly am like, I can't remember a time in which I was ever like backed a politician as if he was a rock star, you know? And I feel like that is a really cool thing about his movement is that he really just gets people excited and, yeah, I think it's awesome that so many artists are coming together to to try and help him out. So many. Uh, of course, I got to ask, did you get to meet him that day? That Was that part of it? Like photo op or anything? I did. Yeah. Yeah. We met him. We did two rallies and we met him. We met his wife. Like we met all of his. Everybody was so nice. And he was like, you know, this, again, this was in 2016. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a different ball game. Mm-hmm. He wasn't he didn't have like the, the support behind him then that he has now. It's pretty crazy to see what's happened in that time span. But 
he yeah like I remember we did a rally in LA and he was just kind of like in the in the green room area for a while just talking and I was like this is so cool like he's a true punk <laughs> well uh I, ho- I do I hope you get another chance to to get out there uh with with the latest campaign there's hopefully that'll yeah. work for you yeah 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 we're definitely we're definitely trying to make it work Bethany thank you so much for the call today and talking about the new record always tomorrow I'm such a big fan of what you all do and uh, and hearing you all you know you. stretching it like this it's been so much fun so so thanks so much Thank you, and congrats to Louisville for having White Reaper as the best band in the world. <laughs> I'm obsessed. They're the, my favorite band next to Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, the world's greatest American band. I think they will tell you that. It's, <laughs> they really are. They really are. <laughs> I love those guys. All right, we'll see you out there on the road. Okay, cool. All right, take cool, care. thanks. Bye. Bye. My thanks to Bethany Cosentino. The new Best Coast record is called Always Tomorrow, and it's out now. Now, the last time we talked, uh, me and Best Coast, was back in 2015. And not only did I get to talk with Bethany, but Bob, but the other half of Best Coast, Bob Bruno, was there as well. We got to uh, geek out about music docs, uh, the songwriting process, and their connection with Sugar Ray. So I'm going to drop that interview in here as well. Part two of Kyle Meredith with Best Coast. Hi. It's, it's good to see you in Louisville. Thank you. Uh, good to be here. Love the new record. Finally. You're right. Finally. I didn't know if you'd really been here or not, but... Uh, Bob has a long history yeah. with it here. Do you? I used to play in a band from here. Which band? The Four Carnations. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep, yep. Strong level ties with the Four Carnations. Yeah. yeah, so, uh, yeah, I would come out here for rehearsals, and uh, I really liked it. So, after that band stopped playing, I would just come out here to hang out. Yeah. Well, welcome back. It's good to see you. And welcome. Thank you. And we're talking about the new record because uh, this, uh, I don't know, it, it, do, you, do you call this is the biggest record so far? It feels like that. I mean, the first one really was a huge launching and everything, but what this new record is doing really feels kind of like what you've been trying to do this whole time. Is that accurate? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, sort of. I think it's just like a natural evolution of, like, who we are now. Yeah. Um, when we first started, I think it was just sort of like trying to figure out some footing. And then the second record was definitely like figuring out more footing. <laughs> and then I think we just toured so much and played enough together that we just kind of got to a point where we were like, okay, let's just make a record without really thinking about what we're doing and just kind of go for it. And yeah, it feels like the most effortless thing we've we've done thus far. And that's how it's supposed to feel. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is supposed to be a fun job, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I don't know if that, I mean, when you're doing art and, and when it comes down to, like, this is part of the art and everything, and when you're being criticized and, and everything else, I mean, that does take away from the fun of it. So do you, I mean, you've got to shut it out, right? you just got to shut it out and say, we've got to have fun. Yeah. yeah, I think we're, I mean, we just try and make something that we like, yeah. and hopefully other people will like it too, and just try and not pay any mind to what anybody else is saying. I don't know that I've ever heard an artist, though, say, I'm going to make something I don't like. Like, I don't like it, but... <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's just more like, we could, uh, I'm sure a lot of people would have been happy if we just kept making crazy for you mm-hmm. over and over mm-hmm. again, but that's not who we are. Yeah as people and that's not the sound that we're into right now so and good yeah because you don't need to be three doors down or something <laughs> like that not that you're anywhere near that but you know talk about bands that's too bad <laughs> I guess the money's are yeah then you know, wouldn't be here but you know what they're going to be doing they're going to be just playing free shows at the state fair soon so oh, I'm down with that <laughs> yeah lots of fried food yeah exactly pickles 
Let's see where the bar is for Best Coast at yeah. this point. This is not what I expected. <laughs> uh, one thing I do I do want to bring up, though, uh, in, in some of your pre-interviews for this album, you know, I guess you get the question like, like, oh, who are you listening to when you were doing this record? And, and I, you know, I've read that it wasn't really about that this time around. But you started name-dropping the primitives. <clears throat> And I thought, that's awesome, because I don't see anyone talking about them. Like, that's not a band that people really remember. Yeah. I'm pretty old. I so. feel, yeah, Bob is old, but also I grew up, like, my introduction to the Primitives was because of the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with Crash being, like, the biggest song in that movie. He's never even seen Dumb and Dumber. So when he brought up the Primitives in the studio, I was like, Oh, Dumb and Dumber. And then he was like, what? And, I was like, <laughs> and then I realized he hadn't seen it, and we talked about it or whatever. But I feel like that's a really cool thing about Bob and I is that because he's older than me and his knowledge of music is, like, very, like, extensive in sort of a different realm than mine is, uh-huh. so we kind of combine those two things. And I think that's sort of what, like, where you get Best Coast from is just sort of, like, both of our different... Like I said, like just our different knowledge on specific right. things. It's a, that's a nice marriage of music. Yeah, it, it, I was always <laughs> curious about that too. The different generations, like, like uh, I'm only a few years older than you, a few years younger than you. So uh, you know, the '90s again was kind of my thing, and I don't have a good relationship with the late '90s music. You know, like Sugar Ray and oh. uh, and all <laughs> these things. And when I see, when I hear you, you know, bring up those, and I think. From anything I know about Bob, <laughs> like, is there just some point in the studio that you're looking and you're going, no, I no, will not actually, follow you there. The Sugar Ray thing, came, that was I was the one who brought it up first. Um, and yeah, when that music was popular, I was not a big fan of it. But later on, I I started listening and I was like, you know what? They actually have like some good songs that are catchy and that I found that I enjoyed listening to. So one of Beth's songs, I was like. Oh, there's the one with kind of the Sugar Ray feel to it. She's like, wait, does it? And then she started listening to a bunch right in the, the mix room. And then I think and you tweeted, the, became, you're like, yeah. is every Best Coast song no, really No, I or, tweeted, like, a sugar is Ray's? it a good or bad thing when you're in the studio and you ask yourself, does this song sound like Sugar Ray? And then I said, this is a, a good thing. And then it became, like, just... We ran with it. It was yeah. like our producer well, you're was like You're trying to get us, us to do a cover. Yeah, and like yeah. He, would, he like went on that weird secret email that he had and was sending me photos. Oh, he yeah, was like yeah, yeah. prank texting me like pictures of like Mark <laughs> McGrath. It, it went very yeah. deep. And then Mark McGrath tweeted at me and was like, thank you for the shout out in Rolling Stone. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh my God, we've come full wow. circle. Wow, that was awesome. Yeah. You got shouted by Mark McGrath. I did. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a big was, moment, I guess. I was 13, <laughs> not, yeah. That's, that's I would it. have been done. You've brought up uh, with a lot of that, and, and I guess since we're, we're talking about age, you know, I think you've said mentioned that a lot, like because you're always referencing your past. Like that's who I was. Now I'm 28, and I, I see that you're always saying like I'm 28. And in another sense, when I hear you say that, I think okay, in the rock and roll world, you're knocking on 30, and that's a different thing. Like, it, does that actually mean anything to you when you're looking at it in that kind of ageist sort of way? Um, I mean, I feel like. I don't even know so much about the the ageism in like rock or whatever, but just to be like knocking on 30s door is a bit, I didn't really like, I don't know. I didn't really think about 
my age very much. And then I feel like when I started doing press about this record, and I would say, like, I'm 28, I was like, whoa, I'm old. But then I'm like, I'm really not old at all. But 28 is not old. I'm still very young. Bob's here. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's exactly. always going to be older. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I also think that, like, this job kind of just, it, even when, I mean, you meet, like, for example, the band that's opening for us there called Lovely Bad Things, and I think the oldest person in the band is 23. Yeah. And they don't act 23. Like, it sort of makes you... <laughs> either you don't act 23 because you're forced to grow up, or you just remain immature. This well, it's a job <laughs> that allows you immaturity. Yeah, exactly. This, yeah. this is Neverland. It's basically you like know, you is... have an adult... Yeah, it's like I always call it adult daycare. Yeah. It's <laughs> like someone's just like, wake up, all right, go to sleep. <laughs> but, it, I mean, it sounds like you're handling it well. It sounds like you're actually handling everything well uh, from... from I don't know what you've had to deal with on Twitter and in the press here and there. Not that it's been nearly like a crisis or anything like that, but it's kind of been interesting to watch. But, you know, that's what you talk about. You're like, but I'm in a good spot. And that's also a scary thing to hear from a musician. Like, <laughs> I'm in a good spot. And that obviously didn't affect you guys because, again, I'll say that this is your best record yet. Thank you. You know, but does there need to be struggle? Do you need some kind of struggle? You know, you found other things to write about, personal things, insomnia jealousy whatever you know like do you need that struggle as, well, as a writer to, to find the song luckily for myself I create inner struggle with everything I do so um, I do actually like I feel like if I were in any other profession I might actually be like this is a problem but because of the fact that like I'm an artist and I'm creative and I enjoy making like very personal like relatable music it, it suits what I do so I feel like usually like when uh you know like yeah I, I somebody asked me that recently like but if you're okay now like what are you gonna write about I was like don't worry there's <laughs> plenty of things for me to freak out about it's constantly happening like so. we're not gonna get the shiny happy people no. version of best coast no. anytime soon no 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 yeah. no that's right. like no that probably won't ever even I feel like like feeling okay even there's a reason why I said okay because yeah like, it's not feeling you know, great it's not I'm yeah. feeling awesome it's nobody yeah. you know it's like you feel awesome maybe for like five seconds out of the day and then you're like back to being like okay I guess I'm just pushing through you know <laughs> we're just realistic people and I think that like sometimes people are like well it's just like you're whiny or you're negative it's like I'm just being real why though, say that why, like why even put the t why listen if, you're yeah. gonna, if that's how you're gonna <laughs> yeah. feel you know yeah. why but also good luck with your fake happiness because yeah. when you crash from that those are the ones that snap <laughs> it's it really dark you always seem like such a pleasant kid yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah exactly until the end there are you guys and, and Bob so I've learned now that you, you're having this history and everything you've been in the bands before but but like learning to control your career this is usually where I hear a band say we figured out how to say no you know, the first album or whatever, you're just trying to make that name, and you're like, we'll do anything, anything. And then you get to the third and fourth record, and you're like, no, we're not doing Did that? Has that come about where you've had to just start pushing away? I don't know if opportunities is the right thing, because you want to grab those, I suppose, but just not letting the industry roll over you. Uh, we're like not the kind of people that would ever do anything we don't want to do. Yeah, like, we've always we've, been that way. Yeah, like we, from. I feel like that was part of the reason why I really liked him when I met him when I was younger because he, no offense but he was he was older than me but he had like the same sort of like 
punk attitude that I had when I met him and I was a 19 year old punk girl and I was just like yeah this guy's cool he like is like you know he's not like well he actually does follow all the rules like he won't yeah, even yeah. jaywalk <laughs> but I was just into like his the fact yeah. that like he didn't he what he's not a pushover you know and I feel like a lot of people are and a lot of times when you're not a pushover and you're surrounded by pushovers, people look at you and think that you're, they're like, oh, that person is like too intense or too aggressive. It's like, no, I just stand up for myself and I don't, I'm not ever going to say yes to something that I is going to make me miserable. You know, it's like there's plenty of things yeah. already doing that in the world. Back, you know? to, the, so, back, back to that yeah, part exactly. about that's That's how you find but it. But I feel like, you know, We've been very fortunate to have a lot of really amazing opportunities offered to us, and there have been things that we've, you know, been offered and we've tried, and then very quickly into it we'll say, like, no, this isn't going to work. I mean, for example, like, we were originally supposed to make this record with Butch Walker, and we went into the studio, like, three days into it, and it was nothing personal. It was just, like, this isn't going to work, and it was totally fine. You and know, you were able it was to like, pull that without... Yeah, and it was just a thing where it's, like, you need to be able to, like we're very intuitive people and like you have to be able to read that intuition and know when something's wrong because if you just go with it then at the end of it you're going to be like what did I just then do that's when you put out the album and like you well know? I don't like it but I gotta put it yeah. out <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, with all that in mind Jewel City is more going to happen with, no is, is that just kind of a one time thing was, and, yeah it was more just like a thing that when we made Fade Away um, I really wanted to put it out and we weren't on Mexican summer anymore and so it was like well you can sign to another label and start with an EP and then it was the deals were just like so that's like yeah. where you learn to say no right. it's like well you want to do a five deal a five album deal it's like no instead I'll just do my own label so I did that and yeah I am I'm not no but it's always there anything. yeah I mean it's cool that it existed and that I got to do it and that I got to experience, like, what it's like to put something out yourself and have, you know, like, a small team of people around you helping you with it. Um, and then what it's like to be more focused on, like, making the art and being the voice of what you're doing and letting the, you know. But I think, too, like, I've become a lot more vocal now on, like, what I want and, like, no, and just creatively, like, I, for example, like, I've come up with every music video we've done for this record, like, I've written the treatment myself. In the past, I didn't ever do that. I was just like, bring stuff to me and I'll pick something. And I think that, like, maybe potentially having the label kind of helped me with that because there were a lot of decisions that I had to make myself. Or um, in the past, I would just have managers and, you know, label people just make decisions for me, so... Yeah, it's a good way to learn the business. That's yeah. a totally good way. Yeah. Having that side of it. Uh, and, and finally, and this has nothing to do with any of this, I'm curious, Bob. Yes. Best obscure music documentary. Oh. Recommend obscure. me one. Because I, I guess I read this on your, on the band Facebook page, that that's a, something really impressive about you. Oh, okay. I know. <laughs> I didn't is... know what that meant, but I thought if someone's going to recommend me something that I can watch. Yeah, it's actually two movies, and the way I found out about it was uh, Slint did a, a festival, and they had Todd Brashear from Wild and Wooly curate a video channel, and so there was a documentary that screened, and it's actually a two-parter. It's called uh, Driver 23, and Slash, part two is called The Atlas Moth, 
and it's about this guy, I think he's in Ohio, who has a metal band, but he also has these kind of mental, like, OCD kind of things. So it's just about his struggle through life. He's married to a woman who's a clown. Uh, she's an actual clown, and she ends up leaving him. And the, uh, But the, the most memorable scene is he's trying to get equipment to play their first show. Uh-huh. And instead of just taking it up the stairs, he has to create a whole polar pull and uh, levy yeah. and pulley pulley system. And it's still the worst design ever. <laughs> and it probably takes him four times as long to get the stuff out of the basement. But yeah, That's Driver Twenty Three, Alice Moth. Uh, it's amazing. Let's check it. It kind of sounds like the movie that came out uh, with uh, Michael Fassbender with the um, paper mache head. Oh, I haven't and seen that one. Frank. Oh, okay. That's a cool one. Yeah. But it's kind of like that. Kind of a you know just. OCD sort of thing. Yeah, like, you'll see things that you don't think are real. In yeah. this, but it, it's all real. Interesting. All right, Beth, Bob, thank you so much. Thank you. And we'll see you around. Thanks. Right. Yeah. Back from a 2015 interview with Best Coast. Again, the new record, though, it's called Always Tomorrow. you got to check it out. It's going to be a part of your playlist because it's great. Big thanks to Bethany. Big thanks to you for checking out this episode as well. Again, if you're not already a subscriber, I hope after all of this you're thinking, yeah, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to have this, uh, this podcast delivered to my, my little inbox. So hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening from. Uh, you can do so, by the way, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, NPR, wherever you get your podcast from. You hit subscribe, we'll take care of the rest. And after that, head to WFPK.org. It's where I do a show Monday through Friday. At 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews. WFPK.org. Consequenceofsound.net has your music and film news. You can also find me on just about any social media platform, all the major ones anyway, at Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.